For too many years, families of children with devastating illnesses have felt helpless as they watched their child suffer. Today, they're taking matters into their own hands and finally finding relief treating their child with cannabis. This is One Family's Story. Hi, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Love and Cannabis. I am Nina. I'm Osiris. And we are the proud parents of Aiden. Welcome to another episode, guys. How are you? Hey, everyone. Hey, out there, if you guys are going through it, you guys are hanging in there, you guys are doing your thing, keep it up, hang in there. Uh, You know, you're not alone, as we always say. Exactly. So what we're going to talk about today, uh, I think we left off as uh, decriminalization. How's that look? Yeah, big topic, especially here in New York. Yeah, big topic, and it isn't with common sense. You know, it's like, it is and it isn't. I mean, if you think about it, you, you decriminalize this plant, it changes everything. It changes people's perspective, possibly. You can bring a message and understanding that this plant is helping people to reconnect with themselves it's kind of a is a healing uh plant it has so much benefits on the upside than anything else on the downside you know what i mean so it's like we need to really get that message across so people understand so they're no longer afraid no one's no more hiding i mean just having conversations with people like it's like almost taboo it's like marijuana has been around for a, a long time people Let's, let's let's be real. Let's, I mean, it's not like, hey, you got a pound of cocaine. No, it's like it's marijuana. Let's talk about it. Let's be open up front. So I think it's what we said before once about the stigma. It's just like removing that stigma. Yeah, and I think it's gonna take a while. We don't oh, have Cyrus. a while. We don't have a while. We really don't. So there are some things that are happening in New York that um, kind of is starting what they call a decriminalization process so they're not arresting people before if you had say two ounces mm-hmm. you would get you'd get arrested yeah hell they were arresting people for just a joint or yeah, you know you would get, now depends on the police yeah, officer at the time exactly that was because of the um it was something that they called the broken window program i think during the bloomberg giuliani time where loitering was a problem walking around with a can of beer, uh, you know, those things at the time because, you know, they wanted to clean up the community. So they were tightening up on a lot of things. But that's changed since then. Yeah, so now you will just get like a, f- a fine or a ticket if you're caught with two ounces. Yeah, or less. You know what's so crazy about that is they have to make up for what they potentially going to lose. Because you can imagine the arrests mm-hmm. they've had relating to marijuana and just the possession alone it's not even so much as just distribution it's the possession big arrest yeah so you think about it if you run a prison like a hotel you're making money off of occupancy yeah so now you're saying well we've discriminalized it we're not going to be arresting anybody anymore so what happens to those people in the prison and those who are projected to come into the prison because of this so you're got to figure out like how we're gonna make up the loss of those revenues. Yeah, make up the difference. Yeah, because again, you've been you know you've adjusted your books based on that. You've been paying bills based on this income. You've been paying salaries. You've been doing all these things. Now all of a sudden, 
that's going to be gone. So how are you going to make? So it's like we're going to let go, but we're not going to completely let it go. So we're going to find you. So we, you know, got to keep that money rolling. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I got to pay bills. <laughs> but I do definitely when I'm walking, like definitely people are openly smoking more than ever now. I just think that they've always New York has been crazy. I mean, we've always just did things out openly. I mean, granted, yeah, it's illegal, but it's going to happen in New York. You know, I see a lot of people, I don't know, maybe it's just me. I just do see a lot of people just overly, I smell it out, openly smoking, and yeah. they're not getting, the cops are not really paying attention to it as much. Or Well, yeah, and it's interesting, though, what I've noticed also, people are smoking less than a cigarette. I've been seeing more. Well, yeah, because they're really expensive. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> that too, and there's no benefit there. <laughs> yeah. There's no medical benefit there. So, yeah, you're probably, you might as well just switch over. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe yeah. well, at least you'd be healing yourself, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, Go figure. Much better for your body. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'll dare any doctors, <laughs> you know, counter that thought process there. <laughs> but um, I mean, uh, as we think about decriminalizing this plant, what that would mean? I mean, for the most part, it's just it's the shift in the thought process. Is like this plant is not dangerous. This plant should not be scheduled the way it's scheduled. Oh, boy. Yeah. Why is this plant scheduled and compared to other drugs that are just like, are you serious? So let's get into that. So basically, drugs are scheduled into five different distinct categories. Question for you before you even get it. Who determines this? Like... Who's who's comes up with the idea? Like this is how we're going to schedule it. Basically, they go by different um, criteria. Well, I mean, in a sense, like oh, the DEA. Thank you. Yes, that's sorry. what I was yes, trying to get yes. out because I'm just yeah. trying to like who's sitting on this committee and say, yes, yeah, so that's the, a drug. Yeah. That's not a drug. But I'm assuming that the DEA is working with the pharmaceutical industry. Maybe doctors. Is there somebody that they talk to? That they could determine, like, okay, how do we? Yeah, define- maybe it has to because they have to be able to define. What categories these certain substances go go into? They would have to because most of the pharmaceutical companies are the ones that are creating these drugs. Exactly. <laughs> so they have to be able to say, well, yeah, they shouldn't have. They should have this. They shouldn't have that. This is dangerous. This is not. exactly. And they sell it to us. Go figure. That's another story. Go ahead. <laughs> so there's basically five categories, five schedules. Oh. So a schedule one means that it's very addictive. And there's no medical value, no medical use, and has a high, high potential for abuse. So what falls under that? What like what drugs falls under a so, one? LSD. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah, we all got that going around. Like, yeah, I have it in my back pocket. <laughs> Ecstasy. Okay, no comment. <laughs> Heroin. Okay. Yeah, God. Peyote? Is peyote? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Native, but it's interesting because Native Americans used it. it. It is a hallucinogen. But they used to use it for like spiritual rituals. It wasn't like something that would say, hey, let's go through some peyote. But they did it for communications with the spirit. They did it as, you know, as a moment of where they gathered as a group or even they had guests. They would sit there and they would use peyote. 
It's a leaf. I believe it's a leaf, and they would either chew on it or even sometimes smoke it. So that's interesting. It's up there. I mean, I I don't know. Uh, maybe check my guy in the corner to see if he has peyote. But I don't <laughs> see it. <laughs> I mean, I just don't see it out there. But okay, we'll go with that. Okay. Another one, Quaalude. Ah, oh, Bill. I never, Bill. Honestly, I never heard of this until this whole Bill Cosby thing. Yeah, man. Yeah, I never man. Heard of yeah, they they used it back in the seventies. It's a muscle relaxer, and they used to party it up with that drug. And from my understanding, it's like only certain people were able to get that. You had to be really connected to a doctor. It's not like now where doctors used to just like write prescriptions left to right. It's like you had to know somebody. You had to be like connected with people in. Hollywood to really get that access. So, yeah, man. So, and no guess comment. what is under a Schedule 1, people? Mm, Cannabis. Yep. Marijuana. Mm. So, it's up there with ecstasy and LSD. Interesting. And heroin. Heroin out of all drugs. And heroin. So, basically, they're saying, and to this day, they're saying that there's no medical value. That's absurd. And clearly, there is. There's. Re- I mean, I read articles every week. In fact, they public. They're publicizing um, medical records. I mean, there's specific research specifically on the cannabinoids. And then you got to look at Israel. Israel's been yeah, doing research since, so, for like over yeah. almost 40, 60 years. So it's a lie. It's very confusing. It's not confusing. They know what to they're me. doing. Oh, okay, that's something. But it's it's all a lie. It's all propaganda on their end. And also, if they saw that there was no medical value, why do they have patents on the plant? Exactly. Why is there the <laughs> epidiolex, which is a cannabis-derived suspect medicine they're giving to kids with epilepsy? So no value, though. But yet, no value. No medical. No medicinal. And value. they refuse. The federal government refuses till this day to take cannabis off as a Schedule One. But I would have to say, I mean, granted, I may catch some, you know, flack over this, but I have to give credit to Trump on this is that he has stayed true to this point because I recall with him coming into office, he stated that he would not use any federal resources to go after medicinal cannabis or medical marijuana. So he's hold true to that because that part of the industry is definitely growing. And he also said, I will leave it up to the state to determine how they will handle medical marijuana and recreational. So we do have a hands-off in that sense in our office. In the White House, there's a hands-off approach in a sense of dealing with marijuana. So the states are really left to try to put something together while the federal government is trying to prepare to do it. Because you think about it. If the federal government does decriminalize it, you're looking across the board that all the states have to adjust and say, okay, what do we do with these individuals that are in the prisons right now who have faced either anywhere between five or maybe a couple, we'll start this, maybe one to two years to even as far as 30 years of prison time for possession. What do you do with that? That's like... One of those movies where people disappear for a certain period of time and then they come back and they're trying to readjust. That's what that's going to look like. (laughs) You know, it's like, okay, I've been gone for so long. How do I fit in? Where do I fit in? How do I reclaim what's, you know, what's gone or what's owed to me? 
So that's a lot of, uh, you know, unlet the answers there. Because financially, it may be a problem from some states if they have to, let's say, reparations. Because I know that was a discussion in the beginning when it came with discriminations, reparations, and how to give back to those individuals who have lost so much over this plant while other people are making millions of dollars. You know, is it fair to tap the industry as it is now to pay for the mistakes or for the decisions that the states have made or the federal government made? Is it fair for a new industry to do that? What are you saying? To pay... For those who've been harmed by being in prison. So you have an industry yeah. now that's growing, that's, you know, paying tax. So those tax money, because what's going to eventually happen if that is the case, it's going to cause retailers, you know, anyone in the cannabis industry to raise prices now to make up for those taxes, the tax burdens that they're going to have in order to make up for the reparations. When the states were the ones who would cause these injuries. So you're like saying, you know what? You get, like what they wanted to do with lottery. When the lottery was first created, they said, oh, a portion of those tax monies that we collect from lottery or the winnings that we get collect from the from lottery would pay for education, would pay for uh, roads, would pay for all these things. That really hasn't worked out. Yeah, I don't know what they would do. I mean, I, is that, I just don't understand why the federal government doesn't want to take responsibility. Ah, there you go. that's exactly what it is (laughs) we screwed up but you know we don't know how to handle it now yeah take responsibility you know that this cannabis should not be everyone knows it's pretty clear it is clear that it should not be a schedule one but yet they do not have the guts and I don't even there's no talks about it being descheduled and that's the main problem yeah it is it is and there's a lot of things and now there's words that pharmaceutical industries are really moving in Behind closed doors into the industry. I mean, GW Farmers won, but there are many others who are now looking to, not even now looking, they've been, they've been using derived parts of the plant, but now they're looking to actually really take over. Before the thought process was that they're going to come in and start buying out companies. Now they're looking to get in on their own without having to buy a company. Yeah, so it doesn't, if you're, if companies are doing all of this, you know, it just change the, the wording, change the paperwork, do what you have to do mm-hmm. to deschedule it. It is not on the same level as LSD. It's definitely not. Even like, <laughs> I mean, even, come on. I mean, let's look at Schedule <laughs> 2. I mean, what is Schedule 2? So, Schedule 2, they're very similar to Schedule 1. Mm-hmm. However, they supposedly have less dependence. Okay. Suspect, but go ahead. <laughs> and they may have some type of medical benefit. Some, but are they also are they considered dangerous like the Schedule One? They, yes, they are dangerous, but not as dangerous. <laughs> I I don't know. I question I question everything the DA does, but go ahead. I'll, I'll run with it. Go ahead. So Schedule Two are things like Vicodin. Okay. Cocaine. Okay, now you lost me. <laughs> now you lost me. But go ahead. I'll ride this one out with you. Go ahead. Methadone. Oh. And let me just say something. If you ever lived near a methadone clinic, you'll know it is highly addictive. Well, I forgot what they call that. It's a movie behind it. It's like the, it's Zombieland, basically. Yeah. So 
I don't know. So then you also have Oxycontin. Are we serious here? Ritalin. Okay. Yeah, and, and Adderall. Adderall, wow. And Fentolin. Fentolin? Mm-hmm. Do you know how dangerous that drug is? Exactly. So there's, so basically, just to reiterate, all the drugs that I just wow. mentioned are considered to be less dependent, less dangerous than cannabis. Someone, so cocaine. Someone's, someone is really high. <laughs> no pun intended, but someone has been doing something to come up and state that this is Schedule 2 and this is Schedule 1. Mm-hmm. Schedule 1, marijuana, is more dangerous than cocaine, methamphetamine, methadone, fentanyl. Fent- I mean, fentanyl. Like, fentanyl was being mixed with heroin. But now you have a group of people who saying, you know what? I don't even want the heroin anyone. I just want the fentanyl. And the fentanyl kills. Yeah. It kills. Oh, speaking of kills. So basically, you cannot overdose on marijuana. marijuana. You just go to sleep or you eat. You just have the munchies. To a point where you can die. I mean, I'm not saying things that are laced, but you can overdose on cocaine. You can overdose on Oxycontin. Fentanyl. Fentanyl doesn't even take that much yeah. for you to you like can, overdose. You can overdose on dilaudid and die. Yeah, yeah, this you see, and this is where I have to say none of this makes sense. And and you spoke to a cannabis doctor. There are no known even the neurologist in New York City said there have been no known deaths over cannabis. No direct cause of it. Unless something was laced. Unless it was laced. And a lot of times people don't know. Yeah, depending where you're getting your stuff from. You may not know that, that your stuff is laced. Yeah, with pesticides, with um, Even things other like drugs. Other drugs, F- um, LSD, Yeah, because people want yeah, to push the limits on the high. And then also you have those individuals who do the black market. They want their customers to come back. So they get they, they try to get them addicted. So they add certain things to it. You know, like your cane, your mm-hmm. heroin. They would lace it with something stronger. Hell, at one point, they were spraying bug spray, like roach spray on the marijuana to give it something, an extra boost. And I've seen what it's done to some people because I've had some friends yeah, in the past that same. literally became zombies after that day. Yeah, they were never the, the same. same. All, I had friends in college, yeah. All they did was walk the streets. They did nothing else but just walk the streets to this day. In fact... We're we're in Harlem, and we know two neighbors that are like that. They had great outlooks on life, potential. Hung out with the wrong people. Those people had some lace marijuana. They took a pull, and they've never been the same ever. So it affects everybody differently because the people they probably were hanging out with, they were okay with it. But these guys, they might have been extra sensitive, and they just sent them somewhere else. Yeah. So so this scheduling stuff is doesn't make sense. So it's up there with Common Core, but that's another story too. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. But so going forward, then, so what are we looking at then in Schedule Three? Because this is all interesting as we keep going through this. So Schedule Three has low, has moderate to low potential for abuse. Really, physical or psychological abuse. Hmm. Not de- dependency or just. It has, it has a low potential for dependency. 
Oh, okay. Go ahead. I'm listening. This ought to be interesting. So what drugs fall into that category? Codeine. Yeah, okay. You, okay, again, you're and using Tylenol it. with codeine. So there's... Okay, what else? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, testosterone. It's testosterone, meaning... A steroid. Okay. Okay. And it, <laughs> okay. <laughs> what else? Ketamine. I don't know what that is. Ketamine. Yes. There... Okay. So, all these drugs are addictive. Can be definitely. Not can be. They're addictive. <laughs> I, I, I'm really. I'm like, who are they studying? Lab, just lab rats. Because there are people out there who get addicted to these Absolutely. things. So that's why I'm like, I'm not understanding that it's a low, moderate potential for physical, psychological dependence. There is, especially with steroids. I've played sports. I've known guys who've used them. And they became addicted to it psychologically because they had to have this physical appearance. But they knew they couldn't get it without the drug. So they had to continue to use it. No matter what harm came with it, they knew they were being they were harming themselves. Because if you understand how steroids work, it kind of shuts down your natural body's ability to produce these certain things like testosterone. So now your body's dependent on it. But once you stop using it, it's not being replaced because you've already replaced it with an artificial version of it. Exactly. So you're gonna have to keep using it. <laughs> and if you start you continue to use it, you're also damaging your body long term. Now you're looking at codeine, really? Painkiller. Exactly. We already know what's going on with the painkiller industry. I mean, like, oh, is there low to moderate? Who's who's putting this together? Exactly. So let's go to the last one. No, wait, no. Second to the fourth one. Okay, schedule four. Schedule four. And I'm already looking at this list. And I see a lot of things here that are addictive. Like value. But hold on a second, but... How are we defining Schedule okay, 4? Because if Schedule sorry. 4, I mean, Schedule 3 is already lower. Schedule 4 is low potential for abuse and low risk of dependence. <laughs> Xanax. So, number one. Oh, my God. <laughs> Seriously? Okay, so, yeah. I know everyone knows people who are hooked on Xanax. Some people take it for breakfast, lunch, <laughs> and dinner. Like, they can't even, like, they can't even think about not having it. But go ahead. Not, this is not to joke on people who who take Xanax. I'm just just we just having fun here, but we just we're having fun with the idea that with someone, the idea with someone who says that this is not addictive. Exactly. This is, this is low to moderate. Come on, these guys can use it. They're okay. <laughs> volume, volume is addictive. Your body gets very dependent on volume. <sighs> Jesus Christ. I'm sorry. Excuse me. Someone actually. Thought that hey, this is gonna be all right. Nah, we can make it a schedule four. It's not that. It's not that problematic. But yet, there's no one the doctors be arrested for over prescribing these particular drugs. What's another one? Ativan. Okay, so that's up there too. <laughs> this this is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm like kind of lost for words, but I'm not because it just. Doesn't it's asinine, really? I'm sorry. It doesn't make sense. What else? Tramadol. Mm-hmm. And Ambien is Ambien. Ambien. Wow. Well, your dreams have dreams. 
<laughs> I don't think I've ever taken Ambien, but I know. No, no, you did once. Did I? Yes, I remember a couple of years ago, a few years <laughs> back, you took it. You had a bad experience with it, and you never used it again because you were having okay. a real rough time sleeping. <laughs> and I think it was during. It was either before, or after the pregnancy that you just couldn't. You were having trouble sleeping, and you took it. I remember that, and you woke up, and you, I mean, woke up in the middle of the night and just started sleepwalking. You were having these hallucinations. I'm like, <laughs> whoa, whoa, and then you didn't remember anything the next day. I, I remember that. I remember that. Yes, you took it. You said never again. You just did not feel the same. Good job, DEA. Good job. That's all I can say. Good job. So now we're on to what? Schedule five, because this is all interesting. Yeah, so schedule five is lower potential for abuse. Okay. So these are things like your anti-diarrhea. Okay. Yeah, like Robitussin. Oh, I thought people started abusing that. I thought people were abusing, making, what is that? Is that that Molly drink? Or the syrup? Yeah. syrup the, I think it some... was an issue with robots and AC. Yeah, they they were using certain cough medicines to yeah. make a drink that became yeah. addictive. Yeah. I got to look that up, yeah, folks. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's look up with that. What's in the Molly? But go ahead. Yeah, uh, morphine, not morphine, Motrin mm-hmm. and Lyrica, things like that. So they're things that you can get at the drugstore. You know, it's funny though. What is like the common thing from all these drugs? One common thing that if you had to sexualize, well, all- everything on this list. Mm-hmm. If you overdose on any of these things, except for the cannabis, yeah, you would need to get your stomach pumped, or you could potentially die. 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 <laughs> but there is one central thing that I picked up, like. Who has control and access for a majority of all these things that we've read? Or who produces these drugs? Well, the pharmaceutical companies do. Message. So, it would probably benefit them to actually be, to participate in categorizing these as well. It's like, hey guys, you know, uh, DEA, before you kind of like schedule this, uh, can we talk about how you're going to schedule this? Mm-hmm. Because ultimately it could affect our revenue just in case, liability, all these things. Because the fact that they have no control over the plant, but yet these things that they create in a laboratory using derivatives, taking, I mean, because you think about it, the a lot of them do have origins from a particular plant, like cocaine, you know, that comes from the, the cocoa plant. And then the, for it's like they use it, and it does have some medicinal benefits. Cocaine does have some medicinal benefits. Like your uh, codeine, your Novocaine, you know, it's numbing, antiseptic, you know, they use it. But then there are those that abuse it. But for the most part, the pharmaceutical industry has control over these things. And my thought, this is just me speaking out loud. Us as a movement, as, you know, the cannabis movement, as we look at the medicinal side of it and we're pushing the the medicinal benefits of it. The messaging may get used against us in a way by the pharmaceutical industry in a sense that, oh, you guys are preaching that it's medicine is medicine. Well, who controls medicine? Who has the right to decide what's medicine is not? Doctors. And who do doctors work with? Pharmaceutical industry. So what are they going to do? They're going to say, hey, you know what? Since it is a medicine, we should be the one deciding how you have access to this. So we are going to now control and manage who will be moving forward 
be able to administer it. Yeah, I think to dispense it. Yeah. I so think. it's gonna fall back into their hands. And one thing that we don't want to happen is literally what we're doing by calling it medicine. So we may have to actually start to think about we gotta control the messaging. We may have to shift how we message, you know, cannabis. Because truthfully, you should be able to have access to something that really reconnects with you, you know, on a cellular level. Yeah. That's the thing. So I do see that shift that if we do consider it medicine, that the pharmaceutical companies are going to want to totally take it over. Oh, yeah. You know, that's their plan. And, you know, only certain people will be able to get it and to be under their care. And you know know what they're going to do. They're going to charge us through the nose. And be very expensive. For a plant that just grows in the wild. And and maybe diluted. Maybe diluted. Okay, diluted. (laughs) (laughs) And maybe even have added preservatives, added chemicals to it to enhance it, as opposed to using it in its pure sense, you know, in how it's supposed to. I mean, the raw form. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've never known them to want to do anything really except make money. And I understand that people are making money in this industry. That's great. But at the same time, there are people out there who are actually doing the right thing by people. I mean, for us personally, we've met so many amazing people out there who want to genuinely help us and our son. You know, Uncle Pete, thank you. Love you, brother. We went up to Maine to visit a friend of ours. I've been meaning to go see him, Uncle Pete. And he has his own dispensary and he's been helping hundreds and hundreds of people. And he took the time out to help us out, you know, share some products with us uh, and basically share some ideas, you know, how we can help our son and his epilepsy. And the fact that he opened his door to us, I mean, you know, you have people say, yeah, you come and see me. We'll take care of you for family. You know, a lot of people could be talk, but when you actually go and you, you know, you meet these individuals, you spend time with them and you realize they're very genuine they really want to help people and they don't look to make extra money. Like some of the people in this industry are, I'm not going to lie. You do have your snake oil salesmen out there. Let's not hide from it. The reality is there are people out there who are selling some, you know, just straight olive oil, straight vegetable oil. And they're not giving you anything of substance. They have no CBD. They have no value in their products. If anything is sometimes diluted, that happens. That happens across the board in all the industries. But at the same time, there are a majority of individuals who are wholesome, who are grounded and who are, you know, doing so much and helping people one person at a time. And it's, it's we've been very fortunate to meet them. And I, I thank you. I mean, there's so many people we want to thank, you know, out there. And we're going to we're going to go into that one day and really share some stories of people that we've met along the way in our journey and who've actually opened their arms to us and, you know, shared you know, some of their products with us to help us, you know, get an idea of what is it that we need to do to help our son. Thank you. Love you guys. Thank you. Thank you. This was a very interesting episode. And I knew that cannabis was a schedule one, but I didn't know all the other. Yeah, this is amazing. Were you really drugs that, were, back? that they were considered more harmful. Yeah, once you peel it back, I'm it's like, like wow. wow. Yeah, yeah, it's like, but from I, I'm looking at it this way, like, what was the thought process for you guys to come up with this criteria because it doesn't make it sense. It doesn't make sense. But... It, it doesn't. And the thing is this, 
we don't question them. Exactly. We don't we push them to explain it. Explain everything. And Why? The, yeah, it's like we accept it as it. Why? Because they're authority? No. But the thing is, we're supposed to be an educated country. We're supposed to be, I mean, for a power nation, a powerful nation, why are we not being able to challenge those exactly. who make these decisions and say, no, prove it to us. Explain why is it that you made decisions? What was the process? What is the criteria? Because it doesn't make any sense. And we do have the research to prove it. Exactly. So I think the message behind this is that do not take anything for face value. No, no, no. Especially something like this movement where it's helping so many people across the board. No matter what race, creed, age, it's help is bringing people back with them to themselves and it's part of their healing process. So thanks for tuning in, right? Yeah, this has been very interesting and eye opening episode, I, I have to say, because wow. <laughs> I, hope you, I hope who didn't know, now you know. Yeah, now you, you, yeah, you can't say you don't know. You just can't. You can't walk around here saying you don't know because and if and if anything else Whatever we say, go out there and prove us wrong. Go out there and do the research. And that's more important than anything else. Find your own information. Do your research. Dig deep. Especially those who are listening who really don't know or don't understand what's going on. Just start research. Do what we did. We started researching. We started reading. We started just basically find one person that seems to have something that connect with us. And we just kept reading from based on that per individual. And then it just started expanding from there. So, you know, guys... We got to keep moving forward. We got to stand together. You know, that's the only way our industry is going to stay whole is grassroots, but also, you know, collectively being on the same page. Okay. All right. Have a good one. All right, guys. Thanks again. Ciao. Ciao. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Love Love and Cannabis. Cannabis. I'm Nina. I'm Osiris. And we're the proud parents of Aiden. Aiden. Be strong. And stay empowered.